Welcome to What Shall We Say to These Things? I'm TJ. And I'm MJ. And this is your low-key ghetto Bible study. And um, if you, if this is your first video, you can check out our channel and go back to the beginning um, because we've been studying Esther for a few weeks now and this episode will make a lot more sense if you go back first. Yeah, we definitely recommend you check out our intro to Esther where we give context to the story and then you can get on chapters one and chapter two and then catch up where we are today which is the ending of chapter two and the entirety of chapter three. All right um, so before we start as usual we'll ask you to pause the video here and say a, a quick prayer um, and then we'll get into it. So as usual what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the chapter in segments. We're going to sub summarize each segment and then we're going to talk about what stood out to us right. from each of the segments. And then when we're all done with that, we're going to talk about what did this um, passage or the, the chapter tell us about God or what did it reveal about God to us? And lastly, we'll look about at what does this tell us about how we should be living? Right. What is our takeaway? How does this change us? Because the end goal is always transformation. Exactly. So, um, TJ, you normally take us through the summary. Okay. So, last time around, we covered the majority of Esther chapter 2. I think we did verse 1 to 20. And so, we're going to start this session by finishing off Esther chapter 2. And we're looking at verses 21 to 23. That's just the last, last bit of the chapter. So, where we left off, we basically had Mordecai, I guess, getting a promotion. That's the impression I get he now works at the king's gate. And so in verses 21 to 23, we find out that he overhears an assassination plot on the king and he goes and he tells Esther. Well, he's possibly not he himself. But he um, gets the message. Get, yeah, he gets the message to Esther. And the king carries out an investigation and discovers that this is actually a real thing. There are actually two of his eunuchs plotting to kill him. And so he has them hung, and this the events are recorded in the record books, the history log of his history. Right. Um, what, what I think was interesting to me, and I think it comes back to me as we go into chapter three, is that he didn't just take Esther's word for it. That, that, that stood out to me. Not in that sense, but that the fact that and not just that, I didn't think about the, the concept that it was coming from Esther, but as a king, there's a just even a rumor of an assassination plot. Yes. I am going to take Off action the right away. Yes. Yeah. Don't even think about assassinating me. Um, don't let a rumor exist. And that that was interesting to me. That mm. stood out to me. And he followed due process. process. Yeah. Um, he carried out an investigation. And then when he found that they were actually guilty then they were punished. And that, I, I think, I think I will bring this back up later. later on. Yes. I have a note uh, on that as well. Because I thought it was interesting that when there was a threat on his life, this is the procedure he took. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, th I thought that was very interesting. Um, to me, it stood out as a good mark of leadership. Yeah. Um, it seemed wise and noble. <laughs> Which is not, not necessarily how we've been seeing things go for him. Um, 
I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. Mm. So so he didn't just take somebody's word for it. He yeah. went in and he did the research, and um, then he made a decision based on what he found. Which mm. I think, yeah, like for me, that ended chapter two on a. I was like, okay, Xerxes, you 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 yeah. you're good. Yeah, yeah. you're mm. in my good books now. Yeah. Um. So that was an interesting end to chapter two for me. Definitely. Um, this brings something back from in the I don't know if I should mention it here or in the next one, but this tells me something about Mordecai as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he eavesdrops. <laughs> well, that, but um, the fact that he will. Let's go to the next thing, and then I'll I'll refer to it. Okay, that'll make right. more sense. So I think I have a note, a similar note. Okay, okay. alright. Um, so we're getting into chapter three, right? And I I grouped verses one to six together. And so, in verses 1 to 6, we are introduced to an, an even new character, right? We meet Haman. And this is a guy that the king has just promoted and makes him his right-hand man. So, right. the king has a new right-hand man. And due to this promotion, the king's servants that work in the king's gate are now bowing down to Haman mm-hmm. and showing him some reverence, some respect. And this was expected of them because as part of the promotion, the king basically said... When y'all see Haman, bow wow. down. Yeah. You know, he's my right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Reverend him. Eh? And uh, what happens is Mordecai was like, nah, no, I'm not, not doing, doing that. that. Eh? And the other servants are concerned. Now, I'll talk about <laughs> this. <laughs> it looks like we're thinking the same um, And they're concerned about him disobeying the king's command. And so they approach him and they're like, why are you not bowing down? What, what's happening? And he basically tells them that he's a Jew. Because the, all the versions I've, I've read it in said that they spoke to Mordecai daily. Okay. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, they said they, they spoke to him day after day. Why aren't you bowing down? This is the king's command. Why aren't you obeying? And he was like, I'm a Jew. And so they go to Haman and are like, Mordecai is a Jew. That's why he's not bowing down. Will you let him? Will you exempt him for this? And this angered Haman. What amazes me is he didn't even know. <laughs> I was never going to get to that yet. Right? I was never going to get that yet because that's in my notes. Right? Okay. Um, it made him very upset. And what what um what interests me is that. He got so upset that it was not enough for him to get rid of Mordecai. He comes to the decision that he needs to get rid of all Jews. But but that kind of makes sense because the reason they're saying that um, Mordecai is not giving him respect and the respect he so deserves is because he's a Jew. And so it follows that no Jews are going to give him the respect he deserves. So I, I think it's a bit dramatic to say, okay, so I'm going to kill them all. But it makes sense that he would have something against Jews because clearly Mordecai is only, according to um, what these people have told him, not obeying the king's command because he's a Jew. So I, I could understand, but I, like, I don't know that's necessarily a fair assumption to make because we don't know if any of the other servants were not Jews as well and bowing down. Because, I mean, we've been talking about the fact, I think from chapter two, we've been talking about the fact of how well and even in our intro video to Esther, we talked about how well the Jews have assimilated in Persia. Okay. They've adopted so much of the culture and, and 
So it's not fair to say that this one Jew standing up for what he believes in, right, is a good indication of what all the other Jews will do. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. Um, okay, so let's talk about what stood out in this portion, right? I have a lot of notes on this. Okay, so um okay, let's start with Mordecai. I'm I've never really paid attention to the section in the beginning um, of the end of chapter two. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was in a strange place. Um, I didn't see its relevance until later on in the story. Okay. But in studying these two parts together, I'm, it, it, I guess it shows me more about Mordecai's character. He's not just disobeying the king's commands for just to be rebellious mm-hmm. he's not um he he cares about his king he will stop an ass- assassination plot he will um not because he he could have um he knows something is happening if he didn't care about his king he could get in on the plot and he could get a, prom- a further promotion getting a cut as well he could get a cut um you seeing that this this is not disrespect to his king him not buying down to um the king's secondhand man is not disrespect it's not um that he doesn't respect um he doesn't revere his king it's clearly something um deeper than that it's it has to do with his integrity it has to do with possibly his religion his um pride as a jew and not pride as in the sense of um arrogance arrogance right pride as in um this is important to him um, this, is what he he is. In. this is what he believes mm-hmm. in yeah and so that for the first time i was seeing it in that light showing him the um, contrast right showing right. the contrast between him um saving the king's life and disobeying the king's direct command and we get to see that okay um this is out of character for mordecai to be disobeying something more has to be going on mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I think for me it was interesting because he literally stood up for <laughs> oh, okay. what he believed in yeah. fully aware that there were consequences and I think for me that was a nice throwback to Queen Vashti mm. um, this is another character we've seen saying whatever happens will happen um, but I believe this is the right thing to do so I'm going to do it yeah. um, like the point you made right? I have it here Haman was possibly not even aware that Mordecai had <laughs> not been bowing down like yeah. Yeah, he may have not even known. Right? It, it it based on what it look based on what you read, it looks like they like they bring it to his attention. Yeah. This is the first time he's noticing it. He's never because chances are he's walking around, his head is too high to notice who is bowing down and who is not. He's not even looking at these peasants. Yeah. He's going about his business. So that was interesting to me, and I had to be talking myself down because I'm like. Part of me feels like those people were um, deliberately selling him out, mm-hmm. but I, I had to be giving them the benefit of the doubt because yeah. in some versions it sounds like they they're looking for mercy for him. Yes, yeah. In some versions yeah. you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, will you um give him a break because this is what he believes in. This goes against what he believes. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I have it. I have it. Like they may have genuinely been trying to help Mordecai, but it just it's just that it, it didn't work out. It didn't yeah. work out that way. Yeah. And um, and I think <laughs> my final note on this was that Haman had issues. <laughs> um, he wanted to take out his problem with one man on a, out an entire population. Like, like it, it had to have been 
like serious issues to, for your pride to have been so impacted by one man's action, right? Mm-hmm. That you decide that you need to destroy an entire population of people. I've been, I like, I have no, um, whatsoever, I have no evidence to support this. I have, like, it's probably not biblical, it's definitely not biblical, but I would not be surprised if this was just an excuse, you know? Like, he already has an issue with the Jews. But I, I think there's some things that, um, allude to that, because they, they make point of his heritage, um, and I, it looks like one of his ancestors... Oh, they call him an Agagite. Yeah, so I think there's some backstory. Um, I didn't get into that because there's one, there is one movie adaptation of the Book of Esther where they give you some kind of dramatic backstory. Yeah, there's there are lots of theories. They're like he, um, um, he's a descendant of um, a king that was a killed. king that slaughtered the um, the Jews, and there are other theories that it's just because. As a Jew, he's not. He's only supposed to bow before his God and his King. They're different um, theories, but we know, whatever the reason, it was. Um, it, it was what you call it. It was important to Mordecai, and it wasn't just. Um, you know, I don't. I part of me wonders if it's not. It wasn't just that as well, because it's possible that Mordecai might have known the type of person Haman is. Haman was and did not want to revere uh, or put him up on a pedestal when he knew his character that's possible as well that's possible as well but like it still doesn't justify him and deciding to kill all the Jews you have beef with Mordecai deal with Mordecai like okay so I think um, 7 to 14 is the last part of the chapter and so, basically, Haman goes and draws lots and settles on a date um, to destroy the Jews. And then he goes to the king and tells the king about this group of people who are defiant and disobedient. And he adds that, I'm going to give this much money to the government treasury when these people are killed. Right? And the king agrees, and he gives Haman his ring to seal any decrees that he makes. And so Haman has the scribes write out a decree that on a particular date, all the Jews should be killed. No one would be excluded. So all women, young women, children, everybody has to go. And the property of the Jews would that are killed will go to the people who kill them. Mm-hmm. That's basically the agreement. And so the decree is translated and is sent to every promised province. And it's also announced in Susa. And while Haman and the king celebrate... There is confusion in the rest of Susa. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. That's how the chapter ends with the note that the king and Haman are in the palace drinking wine, and Susa like, um, descends into chaos, basically. Um, Where do we start? So one of the first things that I I didn't mention in the summary, but I noted in one of the versions that I read, is that this happens in the twelfth year of the king's reign, mm. right? And based on what we've learned in pre- in the previous chapter. Esther became queen in the seventh year of his reign. Mm-hmm. So that means Esther has been queen for five years. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that's my math, right? <laughs> um, and somehow, even though she's been queen for five years, people still, the king still doesn't know that she, well, not necessarily the king, but there seems to still be this lack of awareness that she's a Jew. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And for me, that raised several questions about the way she was living. Because it was one thing to play the part of a Persian for a year. Mm-hmm. But to have been to be continue to play it for an addition, I guess it becomes easier with time. Well, yeah, yeah. But like, and we had this whole conversation about it in chapter, I think, chapter, chapter two, chapter, yeah, the last chapter. So, for me, it was interesting to note that five years down the line, nobody still in is that English. <laughs> no one's, no one. There's still people are still in the dark about the fact <laughs> that she's a Jew, right? right? Yeah. Um, that for me, that was interesting. Because it was just a little questionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a as a good Jewish young lady, in contrast to her cousin Mordecai, who is refusing to bow down because he's a Jew. I thought it was I thought it was just an interesting, an interesting um juxtaposition. Okay, what what do I what are my notes on this? Um, the money part that was something I had never. I had always thought about it as in, this is, which which brings me back to the point of either Haman went and did his research or he has had a problem with the Jews. How does he know how much money? That, that I've always, okay, let me start over. <laughs> I've always thought that the money he promises to put in the treasury is going to come from the Jews. I didn't think it was out of his pocket. Which now that I've read it more closely is possible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, in 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 thinking that, um, previously I always thought he was going to get it from the Jews he killed. And I'm trying to figure out how, how he has know? an idea mm-hmm. of how what their their net worth is for him to put it into the treasury. But but reading this, it seems that he's going to. Personally, personally fun. Yeah. And that is crazy to me. As it makes sense because if you know Xerxes, Xerxes from chapter one, he all he cares about is not all he cares about, but he cares about money. He cares about wealth. So this is a great approach to take. I'm going to put this money into the treasury. This is going to make you look good. It's a great approach for Xerxes to, to come to him with money, right? But it literally seems like a transaction now. Um, I'm going to give you these, this money so you can kill these people. And that made it so much more um, nefarious and, like, evil Like The thoughts me. I had were, like, this is the chapter where the, and the music changes in the movie. <laughs> like, this is the ominous music because yeah. this is, like, clearly the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but based on what you're saying... Um, okay, so let me just backtrack, like, one step and then I'll come back to comment on what you're saying. Okay. Um. My point here was that Haman chose a date before he even went to the king. Oh wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, he chose a date, and then he and then he went to the king, and um. But basically, I was like, that is a level of confidence and surety that I I aspire to. Not not in terms of being a bad person, but like just like I'm going to choose. I should I should probably do that. Like choose a day I'm getting married, and then go <laughs> and then go and look. Yeah, but yeah. but that's basically the vibe I got. Like he chose that he drew lots, picked the month, picked the date, and then he went to the king. Right? Yeah. Okay, so now back to your point, right? Um, I want to think that, like, because the king doesn't question anything he says. No, right? Um, which was an interesting contrast to me to the ass- assassination plot. 
but, but no, okay, okay. Right? okay. No, I get you. That makes sense. I didn't think about it in that way at all. But but here's my here's my thought, right? He didn't. He had no reason to question anything, because here comes Haman appealing to two of his biggest things, right? One, if we get rid of these people, I'm going to give you money. Two, let's get rid of these people that are not obeying you. Mm. Well, he's done that before. Vashti doesn't obey me, but obey him. He gets rid of her. It's it, This is his MO right. at this point. And so I think it was in appealing to those two aspects of his pride and his ego and his, his, his treasury that he was like, this is a win-win situation. It's But it's, to me, um, we see that in the in the last verse when we say that Susa goes into confusion because he's when we see him investigate the assassination we you get the idea that he's not bloodthirsty he's not the kind of off with their heads kind of mm-hmm. thing and um so this does seem out of character and you could understand why the whole city goes into confusion because if he's in the habit of just killing people all the time um, everybody's like, okay, this is these the are usual. the new victims. Mm-hmm. But for people to be confused, um, it it gives the idea that this is out of character for him, and that that makes us believe that Haman has thought this through. He's he's like you're saying, he panders to exactly who Xerxes is. He needs obedience and he needs money, and it's it kind of um. It shouldn't. He's a good politician. <laughs> yeah, it kind of helps me have a little more respect for Haman. Like, because I've never respect? thought... Respect? Is the word you want to finish? In the sense that I always thought he was um, just, you know, he seems like a spoiled brat, you know, throwing a tantrum. But he is just... He's... He's put thought into it. Methodical. He's methodical. He's calculating. And um, respect, not in the sense that I want to be like him, but... Um, there was method. To there was mind. method. And I think Mordecai, this is jumping ahead, but the, everybody's reaction, Mordecai finding out him, he's behind it. It makes sense that his reaction, Mordecai's sorrow and his his grieving it makes sense in um, light of understanding light of understanding that Haman is not just um somebody with power but he he has um he's systematic and he is also he has a brain he's using it and I think that had Mordecai understand that the Jews were really in trouble okay yeah. I understand but on, on that note, my final point here was that we don't know that the king even knew that the Jews were the target. Yeah, because um, Haman goes, a certain people, a certain group of people. And so, um, like we established in our introduction, introductory chapter, that there's so many different provinces in um, Persia. So there's so many different groups of peoples, different races, different uh, with different languages. So the Jews didn't have to be the group he was talking about. Anything and any other points? I think I've exhausted everything. Um, oh, um, my last point. One of my points is that um, here we have Zixi's drinking again. <laughs> yeah, 
like <laughs> he, he might have a problem yeah i, I think we had a, a conversation with our father about it and he was like leaders should not get drunk yeah yeah that's it yeah. Yeah. so i think i think we've 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 delved into the chapter mm-hmm. um and uh, we've learned a few things. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Was an interesting chapter. Yeah, it I definitely didn't expect was. it to be. Yeah, it definitely but, was. Yeah. Okay, so you usually have the best point on uh, what does it tell you about God. So you go ahead and share with us. This, as usual, um, the what does this tell me about God was difficult, um, but what I have down is that God intentionally um, distinguishes His people from. Okay. Else. Yeah. So, um, the only reason Haman is he is able to say there's these people with their own laws and um, they um, they believe different things than us, they behave differently to us, is because God had given a peculiar people. Right. Right. God um, distinguishes his people from the people around them, and I want to believe it's so that um, they'll stand out and attract other people mm-hmm. to them and thereby bring people to him. Yeah. So I think for me, mine had to do with the fact that sometimes he allows really horrible things to be in the works. And, and I think, I think it's sometimes it's a moment for faith building Mm. And I think we we get to that in chapter four. Yeah, I think so. Um, and sometimes it's a time for like full dependence. But again, that comes in chapter four. Yeah. Um, so what about what it tells you about how you should live your life? Okay, so this one was a little all over the place. Um, I think I have three distinct points. I think it brings back mm-hmm. watching Mordecai stand up for what he believes in brings back the whole in- integrity like we mm-hmm. saw with Vashti. Um, I think that's definitely a way I'm going to live my life, no matter the consequences. This is what I believe. Um, this is what I need to stand for. This is what I need to live by. That's the first one. And also, um, so, okay, so there are four, four, <laughs> four of them. Um, just because somebody's in a position of power does not mean that I automatically need to. Um, mm. I think we should respect everybody as humans, but I don't think I idolize. should look up to or idolize mm. or um, revere people just because they've been placed in power. Um, and Mordecai um, exemplified that as well. That's an, I didn't think of that. That was a nice one. And then um, what stood out to me? Um, it became so easy for <laughs> Xerxes to be like off with their heads because Haman came not saying these are your citizens, um, these are people just like us, but he created a, a distinction. And mm-hmm. I think it's very easy for us as humans to um, separate ourselves oh, right, and um, attack another group of people if we're looking at how they're different from us. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we change our approach and we try to understand other people, we try to see where we, we have similarities, where we, um, I guess, intersect in our beliefs and 
in the way we live, I think it becomes very easy to love each other. Yeah. And not want to kill each other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, that's it? Um, I'm the last one. I don't know if you already have it. Um, I have is that being different is going to single you out. Mm. And that's something we okay. will have to be okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my points had to do with, both of them had to do with Mordecai. Okay. And doing what he thought was the right thing. Because at the end of chapter two, we see him finding out the plot and telling Esther, getting the mm. word to Esther about it. And I think sometimes we do what we think is the right thing with the expectation of reward or praise. And we mm. have no documentation of him getting either. And so for me, it's a thing about doing the right thing because it's the right thing um, with no expectation of praise. And then in chapter three, we see him doing the right thing, aware that there may have been consequences. And then, negative consequences. Negative consequences. And then the thing that really hit me is that the negative consequences were not just for him. It uh, began to impact the people he cared about. Okay. And I think sometimes I need to be aware of that, that sometimes even... When I choose to do the right thing, it may not just be about me, like the mm. negative consequences. Mm. Yes, sometimes the people I care about may benefit from me doing the right thing, but sometimes me choosing to do the right thing may put the people I care about um, in difficult situations. Mm. But that should not deter me, I guess, from choosing to do the right thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, my final notes was one that I should have added into our discussion. <laughs> but I thought about it after the fact, and I made the note. And we, t- we spoke about this last night. And basically, is that the king's pride and listening to selfish people almost cost him two wives. <laughs> like, he almost lost a second wife, right? Yeah. Because of his pride and listening to selfish people. But... That's it looks of, like he's not learning. Yeah. I don't know how, where he's getting these advisors from. I don't know why he hasn't figured out how um, that he shouldn't be listening to them. <sighs> okay. So that brings us to the end of this week's discussion. Yep. Um, again, we want to say that our comments are open. We want to read your thoughts. We want to... We want to know what stood out to you. Yeah, and, and what your answers to the two questions are. Um, if you came up with any other things um, that God, um, that you could learn about God from these these passages or about how we should live our lives, we are um, interested, we're curious, so let us know. Thank you to Auntie Claudia for always leaving her comments. We see them, <laughs> we appreciate them. Thank you. We love you. Yes. And um, join us next week when we get into chapter four. Yes. And you're doing the same thing. Let us know what um, what the passage teaches you about God and let us know um, what you can learn about how you should live your life. Right. And again, leave us any recommendations for future chapters that we should get into. Not chapters, books. Right. Okay. So this has been What Shall We Say to These Things? I'm MJ. And I'm TJ. And until next time. We're out. <laughs>